In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth, Ben Grant, along with JB. And this is your week four edition of the X's and Argos podcast. We've got a huge week for you this week, a sudden bye week. So this kind of became our, our bye week podcast very suddenly. And we weren't even sure up until, I guess, yesterday for sure. We're going to talk about the breaking news with Commissioner Ambrosi suggesting that there may not be unvaccinated players allowed on charter flights. And we'll talk about the ramifications of that. The Argos made a couple transaction moves this week. We'll address those. Plus, Nick Arbuckle, your CFL Player of the Week with his huge performance. And both JB and I are going to give you our updated power rankings. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. All right, JB, we're in a bye week suddenly uh, initial thoughts on this and how this all went down what, what did you make of this whole thing uh, i don't well i mean it's unfortunate i think i really would like to have played edmonton uh and build on the uh, the momentum of the game uh, an early buy is not the end of the world we certainly had lots of guys banged up so you know I, i'm not i'm not that twisted about it um i would like the game to be in toronto uh when we finally do play it but uh you know, it, it's it's disappointing, but I, I don't think that it's it's you know rises to the level of of a crisis or an emergency because I think the week off is perfectly fine for the team that had more than its share of uh, injuries. Yeah, this is a blessing in disguise in a way. I, I'm not a fan of early bye weeks, but I I didn't really like the last week of the regular season being a bye week for the Argos and that may change now we've yet to see how the schedule is going to be changed to accommodate this rescheduled game assuming they can do that but in terms of this week the Argos would have been without a number of key players and I still think they probably had enough to to beat Edmonton but then you're going in maybe even more banged up than that against back-to-back Hamilton games I think maybe this bye week is coming at a good time for the Argonauts. They can rest up, they can heal, get guys healthy, ready for that back-to-back with Hamilton. It puts puts them in a really nice position to play the Tiger Cats too because their team's hurting as well. They've got a number of really significant injuries. Their line is a mess right now. And having an extra week to prep for them, being able to watch their game with Montreal, which is a pretty big game in the East, they could potentially be 0-3 heading into that back-to-back with the Argos. And like they were saying on the fan cast, that's not necessarily a good thing. There's a long history of, you know, 0-3. Well, it wouldn't be 0-3. There was, there was even like an 0-8, was that 0-8, 0-9 Hamilton team that beat the Argos on Labor Day. It it often doesn't go well when the Tiger Cats are, are struggling, but I like the extra time for rest. Now, the bad, yeah, like you mentioned, we hope this game is rescheduled for Toronto, but there is a chance it won't. Listening to Commissioner Ambrosi talking to Dave Naylor on TSN the other day, he seemed to prefer it being played in Toronto, and certainly that's the most fair. But it's not as easy as it sounds. Even rescheduling the game alone isn't easy because there's only one team on a bye each week. It's not like other leagues where it's easier to fit in. In football, you can't play, you know, back-to-back days or even, you know, three days apart. And with only one team on a bye, it means that any movement is going to result in multiple moves. The best solution 
I could come up with involved moving five different games. There's no way to do it well. And unfortunately, none of these ways end up really punishing Edmonton. It's someone else who suffers for what has happened in Edmonton. I think that's probably the most frustrating thing. I think I think the solution is simply a default. I think that it, it doesn't make any sense because to well, well to to you know stir up and and totally flip the entire season on its head um, to to try and adjust for this game because that presupposes that this will be the only time you will have to do that and is clearly not going to be the only time. So I think that what you have to do is you just have to say that is a default and we carry on with the schedule as planned. I, I don't think it makes any sense to go in and move teams around and change who's at home and who's not and then have to do the same thing again in two weeks for another team. Um, if another team had it, I'm sure they would just say that's a default because we can't do it again. So they should just come out and do that now. I think that's the play. I, I don't know why they're trying to pull off something that makes no sense. It officially goes down as a one nothing victory for the Argos in, in that case. Uh, but it's it's another issue, though, because neither team is over that 85% threshold. And so it means both teams end up losing their paycheck for the week, which is obviously something that, that the Toronto team doesn't want. Edmonton doesn't want that as well. So both clubs would really like to play this game in some way. I just think there are other options. If you can't play at BMO, and I know I've got a lot of questions this week, people asking, well, why can't this game be played at BMO? TFC doesn't play every day. How come, you know, that's the other team sharing the field? It's because of the grass recovery time and the agreement that the Argos have in place with TFC is such that you can't just play. It's not just the stadium turnaround, because that can be done. It takes time, but it can be done relatively quickly. It's the issue of the conditions of the grass. And if there were, for example, heavy rain prior to the Argos playing or something like that, the grass would be unplayable for several days for TFC. So there needs to be a buffer in there. And unfortunately, in almost every situation that would work quite well in all of these like 10 day uh, rest periods that the Argos have, there's a TFC game smack in the middle of it. So that's a huge inconvenience. But then my solution is then find somewhere else to play. Play at one of the OUA stadiums. I don't think Toronto fans would be too unhappy with traveling to almost anywhere uh, in the OUA. But I, I think the, the one that makes the most sense would be to play at Varsity Stadium. I think that would be a great place for the game. And of course, there's history there. It used to be uh, where the Argonauts play. There's some there's some sort of cool throwback stuff you could do tied into that. But there are many solutions that I would try and go with prior to going to Edmonton. I mean, I don't want to sound um, too um, unfeeling about it, but, uh, to, you know, you need to get the 85%. And the players all knew that heading into the season. They knew that if they weren't at 85 as a team, that they were risking losing a paycheck. And I really think it's incumbent on the players to 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 have their peers go get vaccinated because otherwise you're risking a paycheck you know this was all spelled out wasn't something they just came up with the team knew it the players who have not gotten vaccinated rolled the dice and didn't care and I know it'll be very divisive within the team but I I don't see why having that policy is there if you're not going to use it for exactly this case, that is exactly why they put it in there as a motivator to go get vaccinated. 
because otherwise you're putting your paycheck on the line and unfortunately it came up short for the Argos. Uh, you know, I, I find it hard to, to be that sympathetic when this was the policy that was clearly stated, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, that's really where I come down on it is that they need to go get vaccinated. They know what the rules are and this may happen again. And I think that the league is bending over backwards to be nice to them, but it's not where I come down. Another thing that Commissioner Ambrosi said that I thought, and I don't always agree with everything he says, but I, I thought he had a, an interesting analogy. He talked about football being a sport where you are constantly doing something to protect those around you. It's a sport where you are protecting your quarterback, you're protecting the guy beside you, you're you're playing as a team, and it is sort of the ultimate team game, and that somebody's health and safety is dependent upon your knowing what you're doing and you doing the right thing. And if you sort of extend that and look at this on on a you know a bigger scale, um, he said this is this is the same thing. This is what we're asking for. We're asking for you to get vaccinated so that you can look out for the health and safety of your teammates. But it's also for the the you know the well-being of their families and their their living, their livelihood. This is other people relying on you to do the right thing and and that is to get vaccinated. He was pretty strong with that. And, uh, and I applaud that. Uh, exactly. Like, I'm not for taking the money out of anybody's pocket. I understand that. Like, I'm for pay- paying the players. But these, but the players know what the rule is and why it's in there. And it's in there to motivate them to go get shots. And they ignored it. And that leaves them in a precarious situation that, you know, that I, I'm sure that they're upset at their teammates for putting them in. But then they need to have a players only meeting and, you know, and talk about this or bring people in like the Minnesota Vikings did bring in some experts to talk to the team to answer questions. You know, I think this is an opportunity to to say, look, OK, maybe we're going to find a way to make this happen. But take this as a warning. Take this as you don't want to lose a paycheck. We need to get this vaccination up. If the game is played in Edmonton. We ran a poll this week uh, among the fans trying to decide what the fair compensation would be for Argos fans. And so there were four options. Option one, to rename Edmonton Little Toronto, and that would be permanent. So they'd be the Little Toronto Elks, which I think is is really nice. Uh, Free beer all season, uh, which was a, a very popular option. A grass practice field, which I thought was probably the most practical going forward. I do feel like, and we've discussed this before, I think the team would love to have a grass practice field. And then the fourth option was the rights to offensive lineman and left tackle, Derek Dennis, uh, which was the overwhelming majority. So that one received 51.4% of the popular vote, followed by free beer all season. So that is where the minds of the fans are. Now, most people said they they want the game played in Toronto, but if they had to vote, that's what they want. Derek Dennis and free beer all season. Uh, I, I thought those are, I, all four of those are, are fine. I really like the little Toronto, but uh, obviously that's not going to happen. We'll transition now to, I, I guess, talking a little bit about the, the COVID measures with regards to flights. So this is something that Randy Ambrosi brought up with Dave Naylor. The idea that charters are not going to be exempt from having only vaccinated people traveling, because I think there was an assumption that that private flights, the chartered flights with teams traveling, you know, to to away games, 
would be exempt from this, uh, the, you know, this uh, change that's supposed to happen in the fall where all air travel will be by uh, people that are vaccinated. This presents a huge problem. If you can't travel unless you're vaccinated, there are a significant number of teams that are either not going to be able to field the team or not going to be able to field the team that you recognize, um, you know, of your based on your, your regular roster. So that's a huge thing. Now, it's not as big for the Argos. They've only got one more road game coming up that isn't drivable. That's their game in Saskatchewan. Every other road game is Ottawa, Montreal, or Hamilton. But you know, bigger picture, there's hopefully going to be playoffs and, and everything else. And really, that would be limiting. So if that is the case, if the government says, no, we're sticking with this rule, it doesn't matter if it's a charter or not, you have to be vaccinated to fly, then there really aren't options at that point, then you you have to. And maybe that's the push that that players who have not yet received the vaccine, maybe that's the push they need, because there's there's no getting around that you're not you're not driving to BC or Calgary or, or Winnipeg, you know, depending on which team you are. It's a question of do you want to win? Do you want to cost your team a victory? Or do you want to be part of the team win? Uh, it's a basic question asked of any athlete who plays any level of sport. But certainly at the professional level, if your eyes are on the Grey Cup, you should be willing to do anything to get there and to draw the line at getting a medically approved vaccine while probably, you know, doing all sorts of other things that are really hard on your body, to me, just doesn't make any sense. And and again, uh, you know, I would hope that the Argos will bring in some medical experts to to tackle the questions that guys clearly must have about what this is. And, you know, bring somebody in with vaccines and kind of had to have it as a, a combination day. It's great to see what a lot of the teams around the league are doing. Seven of nine teams have now mandated vaccines amongst their fans going forwards. And I believe that the other two teams are in the process of finalizing that, that being Saskatchewan and Edmonton. So I believe shortly all nine teams will only have um, vaccinated people in the stands. Um, it, it's kind of ironic that that everyone in the whole stadium will be vaccinated except for some players, but that's you know, that's sort of where we're at right now. And again, Commissioner Ambrosi is saying that if he could mandate that, he would, but it's become a, a, an issue with the contract that they've got. Let's move on to some of the transactions that the Argos made this week. So there were three notable transactions. The biggest one is probably the signing of Trevon Tate. So he started for Hamilton at left tackle in week one. He had a, a terrible game. Um, and he was subsequently injured and now released. So I went back to look at at Trevon's film from Memphis. That's where I began, and his college film is excellent. So he played right tackle as a freshman and then spent three seasons as a left tackle and got progressively better each season. He looked very coachable. By his senior year, he was an excellent left tackle. The only reason he didn't get NFL looks is he doesn't have the measurables. He's a shade under 6'3", which is, you know, there are a lot of left tackles at that height in the CFL, but you you just can't play tackle at that height in the NFL. They're not even going to look at you. So they they took a look at him as a guard and and he's not a guard. He You look at his play, he's never played guard in his life. He's, he's a really good tackle, or at least he was at Memphis. But then I watched the 
the week one game against Hamilton and he really struggled. It was, it was rough. Uh, you know, it's going against Winnipeg and we know how difficult that is having seen back-to-back games against Winnipeg's D-line, but we didn't have any linemen that graded as poorly as Trevon Tate did in that week one loss to the Blue Bombers. So I'm not giving up hope. I, I see it there. The potential is there. He looks great at Memphis. I, I think he can turn into something. But it's going to take some time. And to me, it reminds me a little bit of Terry Poole and what he's going through. The moves that that Trevon Tate was having trouble with, especially, uh, you know, we'll look at, you know, the DNs of Winnipeg. But it, w- it was the sort of uh, double move that was causing issue. That sort of burst of acceleration, a hesitation, and then re-acceleration. And he got beat on that every single time. Or an out, in, and out. Or an in, out, in. Uh, those were were tripping him up. And... Uh, yeah, it was it, it was not great. And that's something that, like I said, that Poole's working on that. Tate will continue to work on that. I, I don't see him stepping in uh, for Allen. He actually reminds me a lot of Allen when you watch his, his Memphis tape. It looks like uh, Dejon Allen's tape in Hawaii. They both look like really nice, solid left tackles, but they have both struggled to a degree with the Canadian game. It's tough to come in and play right away. Allen has adjusted really well. He still needs to get better. But it's it's coming, and hopefully Tate and Poole can both push in that regard, and they can both improve. But they've they've shown the ability to be coachable, so you know, fingers crossed on that. Yeah, I, I, I'm I agree with you. I, I'm I'm excited about the uh, the offensive line pickup um, as well, and uh, you know, I think that sometimes guys join teams and either a changes at positional coach, and the new positional coach doesn't love what uh, you know what the guy brought that somebody else did who brought them in and then it becomes untenable so uh, I think if if the Hamilton offensive line coach was just not into whoever signed him in 2019 and whatever they saw that could be a real steal for us and the corresponding move uh, offensive lineman Brendan Smith was was released I think he you know I again I, I don't think it's you know it's not game changing but if you can if you can get really sort of anything out of them i'm all for churning i'm all for churning the bottom of the roster i'm i'm all for adding two new people uh every week and churning those last spots uh to see if you can catch lightning jb this week nick arbuckle was named top cfl performer for week three with his 23 for 32 for 310 yard performance a touchdown through the air and one on the ground I was more impressed with the performance on my rewatch than initially watching the game. I thought he played great on the initial watch, and we talked about that in our post-game podcast. Rewatching it, I was really impressed with his decision-making. I love his RPO decision-making, and I really like his, the immediacy of him knowing where to go with the ball. It, it's shown it, through the limited time we've seen him, it's tough to play zone coverage against Arbuckle. He's extremely good at recognizing coverage instantly and knowing exactly what to do with it Uh, and you ended up with Winnipeg playing a lot of cover one but he was making really good decisions there he was finding good matchups he was finding open receivers his play action fake is really good he used those RPOs well so you ended up with Winnipeg defenders being at a disadvantage all day I think he's very deserving of that honor not so much based on like the stats are great you can't complain it was an amazing day statistically but he played even better than these stats suggest yeah, he, you know, I think we we sang his praises. Um, it's nice to see that the league agreed with us. 
Um, it was a fantastic performance. Um, you know, obviously, you want to see it repeated, but uh, I, I'm I have nothing but uh, you know excitement, enthusiasm for where he's heading because. He looked great. I mean, still a couple things to work on, like we talked about. You know, he still throws some dangerous balls. And, and looking at the game, he, he certainly is stronger to his right than he is his left. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's nice to get a little recognition and for him to get a little juice and uh, turn that into uh, the Hamilton game. So being on our first bye week means it is time for us to update our power rankings. JB, we were almost exactly the same last time. I imagine it's changed a little bit, but I'm curious to hear what you have. So why don't you give me your list, your power rankings, and then I will tell you what the correct power rankings are. All right, well, we'll, we'll, we can go, we can count our way down, yeah? All right, that sounds good. So we're starting at nine for the created suspense. Okay, uh, I will go first. Um, I have your Ottawa Red Blacks at number nine. <laughs> yeah, I'm in agreement there. They are also my number nine. For number eight, I've got the Edmonton Elks. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, at number eight, I have BC, um, simply because Edmonton beat BC. Um, but I have BC. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're score, um, the score differential is not bad. You know, almost even, actually very similar to the the Argos. Um, and they did beat Calgary. Um, so I, I, I thought about having them a little higher, but uh, they lost to Edmonton. So I have BC at eight. Yeah, I have a tough one with, I actually quite like BC. I think they, they look much better than I thought they would. And Pushed then... uh, Saskatchewan. Yeah, like the, it, it, they started very late, but and, and that was with like half of Michael Riley. So, you know, I, it, it's sort of a weird one. I, I don't quite know what to do with them, but they've got moments where they look great. They've got some really good receivers. They've got great quarterback play. I just and I don't mind their defense, although they do give up the, the home run every so often. But, I, you know, I've got them ranked a little higher than that. I understand why you've got them where, where you do. But, yeah, I've got Edmonton at eight to your BC at eight. Does that mean we both have Calgary at seven? No. Okay. All right. Well, I got Calgary at seven. Where's your seven? Uh, I have Edmonton at seven. Okay. I see what you've done. Okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. Okay, I have Edmonton so. at seven. Um, their score differential is not great. They're 20 points more given up. Um, they've had two home games already. Um, you know, they lost to Ottawa. Come on. I can't. I, I, you know, I know they dominated, but you can't lose to Ottawa at home. So that's number seven for me. And for six, I've got BC. Oh, wow. <clears throat> I um, I went back and forth on this a couple of times, um, but I had to go Hamilton here. Uh, I realized that they opened up against two of the stronger teams in the league on the road. But com- hey, man, 0-2, 14-49 score differential. I mean, you know, as Bill Parcell said, you are what your record says. So there's only so much projection I'm willing to give the team from down the highway. So uh, that is where I have them. And I, I have trouble justifying Hamilton. They're my number five, which is where we're going next. I, it's hard to justify. They're 0-2. They haven't looked good in either game. Their stats are not great. They're, and their eye test is great either. You watch both of those no. games and they, they just don't, they don't look they got, like they belong. They got crushed. I know. 
I know. And it wasn't like a misleading score or anything in either game. They really were dominated. Uh, not in the first quarter. They played both first quarters fairly well, but they've got so much trouble on that O-line. And I, they, can't, they can't put it together. I know they're starting Dane Evans this week, and maybe that will change things around, but I, I still don't. It's not going to help their pass protection. I mean, th- their performance is akin to how I am crushing you with the correct power ranking. <laughs> I, I definitely go with mine over yours. Like mine are, mine are, I, I agree that mine are eye test power rankings. Yours are, you know, points for and against power yeah. rankings from the sound of things. And that's, you know, that's I understand fine, there's but... a, always a quantifiable um, versus qualifiable, but okay, carry on. All right. So you give me your number four. Um, no, well, I, I haven't given you five yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. What is your five? Well, my, so my, my number five sense. is um, uh, from Montreal, La Belle Provence. Um, I have Montreal at five. Um, they've had two away. They've only played two games. Uh, both of them were away. So that's, you know, um, to be taken into account. Um, they defeated Edmonton. Uh, they lost to Calgary in a, in a, in a pretty close game. Um, their score differential is nice, 52-43. I think I think Montreal. Um, you know, I actually went back and forth between five and four. I think I think until we see what happens in Montreal Hamilton, um, I'm going to give them I'm going to give them some credit. Yeah, I, I like Montreal. I thought they looked amazing in their opener, uh, and then just you know couldn't quite put a full game together in their in their second game. It's kind of a weird, but that's you know being on the road back to back is is tough. You know, we saw the the impact of that with Toronto. And I think that's more what happened to Montreal, but they looked really good. So I've got Montreal as my number four team. And, you know, that's where we are next. I love uh, pretty much everything about their team in week one. We'll just have to see which is the real Alouette's team. Is it the group we saw in week one or is it the group we saw in week two? Or is it the what we saw in 2019 where you didn't really know what you were going to get? Sometimes they were amazing. And then sometimes you didn't know what was going on. What's your number four, JB? Uh, I have Calgary at four, again, with the head-to-head over Montreal. Um, I went back and forth on the two. You know, Calgary's had three home games. So that's a strike against them that they're one and two. Um, now, granted, they had a quarterback with a broken leg for for a game. And that's not ideal. So I kind of chalked up that BC loss to playing with a one-legged quarterback. And now that they've transition to a dual legged quarterback they look like they're kind of back in pace as a kind of middle of the table team so i I think calgary um is definitely there at four i think they're you know they're gonna they'll be a force they you know they they've they've earned that respect i can't believe you've got them that high i uh, like i don't see that when i watch calgary i see a team that was lucky to have one win I, i i feel like they should really be zero and three and I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Your quarterback had it. a broken leg for a game and a half. I know, but you know that, and yet he was still the best guy to put out there. No, I, I think that now that they have a fully functional quarterback, you saw what they did. They beat Montreal. Um, yeah, let's see with a week of film on him. Let's see what well, that. Looks I expect like. Calgary going a bit of a run here <laughs> on the road. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I, I think I think Calgary's going to lose like their next three of four but we'll, we'll see we'll we'll see with our next power ranking update i'm gonna write this down here to make sure you eat your words mm-hmm. uh so it sounds like we've got the top same top three teams we'll have to see what order we've got them in so for number three i have winnipeg yeah uh same i think that winnipeg is uh is a good team 
and I think that they are very similar to Toronto. Um, but uh, I thought that Toronto really beat them um, solidly uh, in the home game. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, all things being equal, I think Toronto is a better team than Winnipeg. Um, so uh, that's that's where I came down on that is uh, I think Winnipeg is good. Um, but I, I'd love to see Winnipeg play Calgary. But, uh, yeah, right now, Winnipeg at three. I, I'm shocked at how easily Winnipeg seems to or, or how easy it is to run on Winnipeg or at least for the Argos it was and I don't know Hamilton struggled to run against them and you know what does that say about Hamilton I don't know is is it just that Toronto was that good at running the ball I don't think so because they couldn't they couldn't move the ball on the ground against Calgary but man the the Argos had their way with the ground game against Winnipeg for both games even the loss and so that's, I think there are some real concerns in Winnipeg. I think there's some concerns on both sides of the ball, actually. There's still, you know, I still got them as my number three team. They're, they're a good team. They're well coached. There's no position they've got that's in trouble, but uh, they just aren't, they don't have the flash that, uh, that certainly Toronto or Saskatchewan have. They're waiting on a couple of big guys to come back from injury. Um, and, you know, not ha- having lost their kicker is, is a killer. I mean, they had if not the best, probably, you know, one of the top kickers in the league. And that's a huge loss at that position to have the Toronto cast off uh, kicking. And, you know, so when, when they get a few more guys back, I'm not I'm not concerned about the big. So I assume you have Toronto then at number two, same as me? Yeah. Yeah. I All mean, right. we, you know, look good against Calgary on the road, uh, held our own against Winnipeg on the road, dominated at home. Uh, you know, I think Toronto, Toronto has the potential to. When we get into talking about number one, I think Toronto has the potential to be number one if if they were to beat Hamilton. But we'll we'll talk about one in a sec. But uh, yeah, I think you know. I mean, we we probably sound like homers here, but I I think our our cautious optimism has been proven uh, that we're not homers. They, Toronto looks good. And I think they're right there. <laughs> yes. So Toronto, I, yeah, I, I don't think you can argue that Toronto's like, I, I would have trouble seeing them in any other spot than two. I don't see how you could place two. If you, if you put somewhere, if you put Toronto somewhere else on this list, you're going to need a, a serious explanation to it. And I think the same with number one, Saskatchewan is, is clearly the best team in the league right now. The three and O JB, you're they're obviously your number one as well. We have the same one, two and three. Uh, yeah, they they look they look excellent, but not unbeatable. No, I mean, I have like a few raised eyebrows. Yes, I have Saskatchewan one. They deserve to be. You know, they have terrific score differential. They're three and zero, but they've played all three games at home, and they've defeated BC, Hamilton, and Ottawa. So not not the gauntlet. You know, I I mean, I think that there is, you know, they deserve to be number one, but. Still a few questions to be answered. You know, they haven't played on the road against a top five team yet. Well, except for you. Do you have Hamilton top five in your ridiculous poll? I do, yes. They're my fifth <laughs> team. They they have to be. They're, 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 they'll be there at the end. Like, I, I, I oh, just like the Tiger Cats. No, but it, it's it's still there's some degree of you know, knowing. Like, if it weren't, they would be in last place. They're the only team without a win in the league, but you don't have them in ninth. So, to a degree, it is a future no, poll. No, you're right. I, uh, no, so I think Saskatchewan is very good, but, 
you know, let's see when they play Winnipeg. Let's see when they play Toronto. Um, let's see when they play a road game. That's true. I'm excited for that Toronto-Saskatchewan game. I know we've got back-to-back Tiger Cats games, which I'm even more excited about. Oh, but what a, I, that, that could shape up to be a really big game. What a brutal, what a brutal three weeks, though. It, it is tough, and that's why, brutal. again, this bye week is, is okay. It's coming maybe at a good time. So the skies have opened up here. I don't know how well you can hear the thunder and the rain just pounding down on my roof, but if you're wondering what those uh, external noises are. That's that's exactly what's happening here. So uh, we're going to wrap up today's podcast with some sad news. And it was the the passing of Nick Volpe, uh, an Argonauts legend. And it's one of those things, having been around the team as, as much as I have over like the last 20 years or so, I was someone that I never got a chance to meet and and he just sounds from every account I've heard just like the most wonderful man and somebody that really is an Argos legend. So he played for the Boatmen from 1949 to 52, which, you know, it's not the, the longest career ever, but it was everything he did after that too. Let's now his playing career was was excellent. He won two Grey Cups in that time, including the 1950 Mud Bowl win over Winnipeg, a 13 nothing game. Uh, he ended up contributing as uh, the field goal kicker in both of those uh, field goals in that in that Mud Bowl. And I think I read earlier this week that was the last time that there was a shutout in the Grey Cup, that 13 nothing win over over uh, Winnipeg. Volpe then went on to work uh, as a coach with the organization um, at various different levels. He was the head of Canadian scouting for a while. In all his time in total with Toronto was 7-0 and in Grey Cup games, which is, is just amazing. And like I said, uh, from all accounts, was a wonderful man. And I, I really wish I'd had the chance to meet him, and, uh, and, I, and I never did. So we'd like to extend our condolences to the family of Nick Volpe, Toronto Argonauts legend. Well, that will just about do it for us on this week's episode of the X's and Argos podcast. If you get time, make sure you check out our website. We've got a lot of great stuff there. I've got a film piece on DJ Foster, which I was really pleased with. There's an article on how John White was actually a huge contributor in last week's win over the Blue Bombers, even though it didn't show up on the stat sheet. Uh, Plus, you can find all of our usual things there as we start tuning ourselves up for the Labor Day Classic against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the fight.